Welcome to Two Cents FC. I'm your host, Amobi Okugo. Each week, we'll be discussing topics from around the soccer world, and I'll be giving my thoughts from the perspective of a pro soccer player. We got my guy L on the mic, and this week, we got a special guest, Cleopatra Incantia, lawyer and owner of Ridge City FC. As you guys know, we go through a number of topics. This week, we'll be discussing wild ownership shenanigans, sports business moves specifically in the Italian Serie A, and as you guys know, our favorite segment, no card, yellow card, red card. But back to Cleopatra. Thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing today? I'm good. And again, thanks for having me. So um, L told me about you yeah. and he told me about you coming on the podcast and I didn't really know much about you. And yeah. when he told me that you're like an owner for a, a club, I was like, oh, this is big yeah. time. <laughs> so tell us your story because I'm very intrigued. Uh, okay, so I want to say it's a short story, but it really isn't. I love football. It's as simple as that, but the story is like nowhere as short as that. I've loved football all my life. Uh, I've told people that I used to play football in my mom's room. I came out kicking. Uh, unfortunately for me, obviously, I'm a, I'm a girl or I'm a woman, and it, it hasn't been easy for women to play football, especially in Ghana, because football in Ghana is viewed as like a, a thing for men and a game for like uneducated women or people who didn't have the opportunity to go to school. So it's been very difficult for me. Uh, I've had several occasions where I've had to choose between school and football. And unfortunately for me, I had to choose school because like I said, the environment that I'm coming from, uh, but that never stopped me from actually doing what I wanted to do. I, I won like best fo footballer of the year, best sport, sports person of the year in my school from like uh, from high school through the university. So I don't think that people not really liking a woman playing football has really stopped me that much. Uh, I actually moved from, from Ghana to the UK for about eight years and I played football whilst I was in, I was in uni there studying law. So I actually took up football and I played football for at least three years. I played football in my uni there. And then afterwards I joined like a local club and I always brag about this, but we won a local FA Cup. Okay. And I was actually voted the most improved player which was saying something because if you had seen me at the beginning of the season, you'd wonder what I'm doing playing football. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so unfortunately I had to leave the UK and come back to Ghana and to obviously work. And whilst I was in Ghana, I kind of realized that I, I really missed playing football and I wanted to like participate in football. And even for somebody like me who really loves football, it was very difficult for me to find women who enjoyed football or played football in the way that I preferred to play, which was sort of not really like in the league, but like for fun. And everywhere I turned around, league, 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 and it wasn't really organized in a way that I could participate in because they were playing like during the daytime and during times that I couldn't play because I was at work. Mm -hmm. So I decided to myself that, what can I do to change my, my circumstances? What can I do to participate in football? And I said to myself that I think, well, start your own football club. So it really, exactly. It really started off as a club for people who wanted to play football but couldn't play in the league or couldn't play in like an organized fashion. And we started, and then by the end of year one, we had to join the league because the girls were too good. And we just couldn't be playing and hiding in a little corner and just having a little fun. We had to like go big time. Mm -hmm. So we, we registered to play in the women's league uh, starting from the season from last year. But unfortunately, I don't know if you guys know much about football in Ghana, but we were hit by a major corruption scandal. And the GFA, which is the Ghana Football Association, the GFA president uh, was caught in a bribery scandal and it shut football down in the country for an entire year. So we only picked football back up uh, 
November, December of last year. And it, that's when I actually started a backup again. And for my club, we're currently in the Division One because we just started out. And we had our first match the weekend the president shut down the country for coronavirus pandemic. And we were all like super disappointed because we had been training for like two years and the girls were raring to go. Everybody was all good to go. We had taken all these team shots. We were like about to just hit big time and then all of this happened. So I have said to myself and my players laugh at me all the time because for some strange reason, because I started a football club, my players think I'm this elderly old lady, probably in her 40s or 50s. I'm in my 30s, but my girls don't think so because most of them are in like their teens and like early 20s. And every time I tell them that I am playing with them during the tournament, they all just best out laughing. And I don't think they've seen my moves enough because I train with them all the time. And I might brag and say I'm probably the leading goal scorer in the club because I, I, don't, I don't know what, what is happening. But during training sessions, I, I'm a striker. So I really don't know what they're talking about, but I enjoy playing and I don't think I'm about to stop playing. And thank God I have my own football club because now I can dictate when and for how long I play football. So that's part of the great thing of having your own football club. But I'm loving it. I'm loving every second of it. I don't regret it one bit. I, I, I'm actually a lawyer and I quit my, my day job. I quit being a lawyer. Well, not quit being a lawyer, but I quit the law firm I was working for, started my own law firm, and I bankroll the, the club from the proceeds of my, my law work. So oh, that's, that's pretty much going well for me. But I mean, one thing that I can say is that I haven't been able to do this by myself. I, I don't think I could have done all of this by myself. I have a partner, uh, Cyril Alex Gokko. Uh, he's my co, he's a co-owner of the, of the club with me. And we just manage it as much as we can. And he loves women's football as much as I do. So I'm happy to have him on board. And I think that we're, so, like something super is about to happen for women's football in Ghana. So looking forward to that. No, this yeah. is amazing. And there's so much to unpack. Yeah. But yeah, one, yeah, question yeah. Have, one question I have right off the back is, so if you're having a bad game, are yeah. you subbing yourself out? Like, how does that work? Listen, I don't know what subbing means, okay? <laughs> I, I'm just not going to come up. But we have had, like, friendlies. We play with, like, clubs. And I have told them to feel free to sub me out. Okay. It's just what you get when you try to sub me out. It's different from what we talked about before the game. So, it, like, you have to come up. I'm like... Okay, we'll talk about this later. Okay, we'll cool. talk about this later. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, but I, I have told them to put me in towards the end of the game. So I don't think the subbing comes often. So yeah. Okay. So talk about the process of like building a team from the ground yeah. up. Because we see yeah. a lot of organizations or like um, people like wanting to get into ownership yeah. for soccer. Like yeah. what's that process like? Yeah. So for us in Ghana, it's completely different. Uh, well, not too complete, but the standards for starting the women's football club, it's almost low or non-existent. Like I could say there's no standard for starting a women's football club. If you woke up one day and said, listen, I think I want to start a women's football club. That's all. That's all you need to do in terms of starting a football club in Ghana. We have club licensing rules, which dictate how a person can start a football club. But for women's football in Ghana, because nobody really cares about it, and because of all the troubles that we are going through, they don't really care about the standards. As long as you register the entity at the company's registry that is registering the company and then having the players and then registering with the Ghana Football Association, that's pretty much the bar. And so you have a lot of people registering women's football clubs. And it sometimes is good, sometimes it's bad because anybody gets up and then says, I want to train women's football, have a women's football club. And then they manipulate girls into joining their clubs that are sometimes not going anywhere. So that's the bad part about it. But the good part is that it's not difficult to start a women's football club. 
So anybody who has asked about starting a football club, I've always encouraged them to do it because we do need more teams and we do need a lot of people to like give girls an avenue, an opportunity to play football because there are a lot of girls that want to play and they're not getting the chance that they, they, they can play in. Most of the girls play football in school and by the time you hit like your teenage years, you're getting teased for being a tomboy or getting teased for playing around with boys all the time. So some people drop out. But those who don't drop out are people who are just determined and, and some of them have nothing to drop out from because they're already not in school. Mm. But it, it's not really a difficult process to start a women's football club. The maintenance of a women's football club, however, is a different topic. Because uh, women's football in Ghana, well, football in Ghana generally, but for women's football, I can narrow it down and tell you that we have uh, two categories of players in Ghana. We have uh, the amateur players and then we have professional players. So the amateur players are sort of playing for fun. They don't expect to get paid. Most of them play in the division one or the grassroots level. But the professional players, you have to get into a, a contract with them, an agreement with them, and you have to pay them. Mm -hmm. So that's those are the two differences. But on, the difference. But unfortunately, most of the players who play in the women's Premier League and have signed professional contracts aren't getting paid. And and that's really bad. However, the upside to it is most of the people who get into women's football in Ghana are doing it sort of like a charity base. They're not expecting anything back. So they don't have that much to give to the ladies. So asking them to pay salaries is just going to blow everything out of proportion because they have to manage the club, manage the girls, at least take care of them in a certain way. And to have to pay them a salary as well is just going to push things over the edge. So amateur clubs, we don't have to. Like my club is also an amateur club. Well, okay. we are in an amateur league, so we don't expect to pay the players. But if we have to move to the Premier League, then we'd have to do that. So get the different levels dictate like how you manage your club. And the women in the Premier League, they are held to a higher standard. So at least you expect to pay the players, have a place for them to like train, etc. So it's different for the Premier League. But the maintenance of women's football, it's not as easy as when you, you start a, a club. But okay. I mean, we're trying and we're managing and seeing how best we can get through this process without the help that could have come. So, yeah. No, that's amazing. And, and yeah. as, as an owner, you know, as you, you know, look at the ecosystem of your club, your yeah. ownership within the league, within Ghana Federation, yeah. how, how do you go about, you know, whether it's raising money with your partner, you know, handling yeah. amateur and then possibly evolving to a professional like division, yeah. uh, division club where you have to pay the players? Um, how do you go about that? Yeah. So finding sponsorship in Ghana is very difficult. Even the men's Premier League barely has sponsorship. But when they did, it was good. I think they had like a $10 million deal for over five years or so. So it was a good deal. And if they are suffering, you can just imagine the women's, the women's side. So the Women's Premier League currently, as it stands today, we don't have a title sponsor. It's called the Ghana Women's Premier League. We have a sponsor. And what that sponsor does is like provide the girls with like a player of the match, a player of the month, coach of the month, and then they give them like mobile phones, etc. But you're not seeing them sponsoring and saying, we are giving you guys money, we're helping you with this, we're giving you kids. Like, it's not like that. And that's what is needed. As much as I'm happy that there's somebody giving their time and their money to give me mobile phones to the girls and stuff, Player of the Month Award does not help the league. It only helps that one player. And I've seen one player since the league started before the coronavirus started. I've seen them pick like three Player of the, player of the uh, Match Awards. It's not really helping anybody. <laughs> and so I wish that if sponsors were coming in, they would do something that would help the entire league. But in terms of sponsorship and having help, it's been very, very difficult. My team, for example, 
we know what we are trying to do and we know what we are looking for. And we said to ourselves that we know we're not going to get much help from outside. So we are working hard in our external businesses. Uh, my partner, Cyril, he's an entrepreneur. He has like a marketing and advertising company. He does like so much in the marketing industry. So he has at least a financial background to help the team. And I'm a lawyer as well. So every time, I'd say every time, but it's more often than every time. It's ridiculous. The number of times a client has paid me and the money has gone straight into the club. But that's the only way to sustain the club. And I don't even regret it one bit. Every time I'm spending on the club, it's like, I'm sad about it a little bit, but it's like one of the happiest things that I ever do because I know that I'm building something in the future. It's going to reap rewards. So funding is very, very difficult to come by in Ghana. And we did try and make attempts to like talk to people to sponsor the club. But the one thing that you keep hearing back is, oh, there's the Women's League in Ghana. And it's yeah. like, continuous like nobody even knows women play football in ghana the only thing they know about women's football is that we have the black queens which is the national team and then we have like under 17 and all of that but it's like they haven't even heard that women play a league and no. even if they've heard about that they've heard about the premier league they haven't heard about division one people do not think that there's even a division one let alone grassroots football so it's very difficult to convince people who haven't even heard about you to invest in you because they're like, if I haven't even heard about you, why would I give you my money to go promote my stuff? You're not really helping me in any way. That's and that's the kind of roadblock that we've been hitting. So we've just resigned to just uh, uh, footing the bill for right now. But I mean, over the last few months, and especially when the coronavirus started and a lot of people had time to sit down and pay attention to what was happening around them, we've seen some interest in women's football. It's not really a financial interest, but at least an interest to interested in participating in what we are doing we have people are uh, trying to broadcast our matches we have people trying to like engage with the girls and then trying trying to see how they can participate in the world but i think that they still need information they still need some help to understand what's really happening in the women's football to see how they can get in i'm, I'm pretty much very hopeful that by the time the year is over we'd have seen some sort of engagement concerning funding coming in because uh, i don't know we didn't talk about it but i'm actually uh, on, I, I'm part of the GFA. So I'm actually the Women's Premier League Committee. I am a board member. So basically, we, we manage the Women's Premier League in Ghana. So all the decisions that come out of the Women's Premier League, we are supposed to be responsible for it. So that's one. And I'm also a board member of the Women's Division One Committee. So I manage both the Premier League and the Division One, And I've seen the problems that both leagues have and to be honest with you, it's all about money. But <laughs> it's not only two. Because you can't get money unless you're doing something good to get people's attention. And you yeah. can't do something good to get people's attention unless you have some money to help you to get to that stage. So it's crazy. And uh, the women's division one are complaining that they don't have attention. And the women's Premier League are complaining that they don't have money. Yeah. So it's like, whose problem do you want? Do you want the no attention problem or do you want the no money problem? Either way, it's very difficult to do anything because from all angles, it's, it's crazy. So we do need the attention coming to women's football so that at least the, the current owners or people who are participating in football can get a chance to help the girls. And we did get that kind of help because the government recently, we have a department in the government called the Youth Employment Agency. So they are supposed to employ the youth. So during this pandemic, they decided to quote unquote, employ the Premier League players. And in that capacity, they are able to pay the players so during this pandemic, when the club owners for the Premier League are not being able to manage paying the players and taking care of the players, the government has started for the next six months to pay the players, which effectively takes the burden of the club owners to pay the players. So that's very good. And I don't see why it shouldn't continue. I think it's something that should continue because they should make an allowance for women in sports 
slash football players because that really helps. So hopefully these kind of allowances come about and it helps the club owners because if we can do that for the girls, they will stay longer in the game and they'll play with their hearts and then we'll see where we're going. So I'm really hoping that it gets easier for us. But I mean, like I keep saying the whole time, I, I can't complain much about this. So we keep going. No, it's yeah. amazing. And I, I, we can we can hear your passion as you speak yeah. about, you know, <laughs> your, your, your team and the future yeah. of uh, Ghana uh, sports, especially specifically soccer for women. Um, yeah. Where do you, where do you see it going? You know, with, as more resources come into the yeah. game in Ghana, yeah. um, you guys you guys may finally catch up to the the, the Super yeah. Eagles. You know, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I know you say that because you're Nigerian, so I'm not going to say anything about that negative to you. I'm going to let that one slide, probably because sometimes it may be true, but I'll let it slide. <laughs> but uh, I'm glad that the Women's Champions League is being started next year. It's going to give you a chance to put your mouth where your money is or put your money where your mouth is. I don't know which one it is, but I'd like to see the women's uh, club level compete against Ghana's women's club level. And then we can see what really happens on the ground. But I do do think that Ghana women's football is just at the beginning of an amazing and fantastic journey. Because if this journey has started a long time ago, we don't know where we'll be by now. But from where I'm sitting... I can see how far it's going to go. I can see the interest that is coming both locally and internationally. And as I was saying, because of the uh, coronavirus pandemic, a lot of people have started to give attention to it. The new GFA president, well, he's not new anymore because he's been around for almost a year now, since last October. He's taken these steps and he's taken these measures to pay attention to women's game. It wasn't really like that before. And like I'm saying, if the previous uh, GFA uh, government was doing something, people would know about the Women's Premier League and the Women's Division One. But the new president is actually taking steps to make sure that women's football gets the attention that it needs. And this is coming at the right time where internationally, everybody's paying attention to, to women's football. So I think that the only thing that we can do is take advantage of this time, take advantage of everything that's happening, and then just try and push it and go as far as we can go. Uh, we have collaborated with the, the GFA, has collaborated with the, the, the England FA, and they are trying to see how best they can help. Obviously, they can't just throw money at us. So they have to see how best they can help us uh, with our grassroots football and with building and seeing how best we can do. So the relationship has just started. We are just about maybe like a month or two into the relationship. And we're trying to see how best they can help. But we have to look up to like uh, what they are doing in the States, what they are doing in the UK, and then try and emulate it because they have been through so much. Their leagues have started and stopped several times. In the UK, the Women's Premier League started and stopped like a thousand times in the US as well. The women's women's soccer national league, whatever they call it, it's like dissolved several times. Luckily <laughs> for us, for the women's own in Ghana, it hasn't really dissolved. It's just been on the down low for like ten years now, but it hasn't really dissolved, and that's the good thing about our league. And so we have to learn from their mistakes, see what they did best, where they went wrong, and then just figure out how to do the same thing without making their same mistakes. And the number one thing is getting interest, interest people interested in in, in paying attention to the women's soccer. And I think that obviously now is a bit too early. Maybe next year we might have the Nigerian teams maybe dominating Ghana when it comes to the Champions League. But I can assure you that in two to three years' time, I don't even know if they'll give you guys slots because there's too many teams in Ghana making it so competitive that we might just hand over like one slot or so to you guys and then see what happens. But I am looking forward to seeing what happens. Hopefully, hopefully, Race City will be in the Premier League by then and we can get a chance. And maybe you can see me score a goal in the Champions League and take my shirt off and into the, the Mianham thing or whatever it is. But I'm looking forward to that. Looking forward to that. So, yeah. 
No, that's what it's all about. And uh, one last question, you know, speaking on ownership, you know, you've been able yeah. to, you know, meet with so many different people, experience your own like, number of different boards. You, you went yeah. to uni. Um, is there any specific team that you like follow that you want to emulate? And is there any specific owner, um, favorite player that you follow? Yeah. For which league? Uh, any league worldwide. Okay. So uh, I'm a Chelsea FC fan. Okay, so we're friends again. We're friends again. Chelsea. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, my, 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 like, my mind is always there all the time. I don't think L is happy about that because he probably lost his best player. I'm happy about that, but hey. <laughs> so uh, I follow a lot of what they do over there. And uh, I don't think there's any one particular that I, I wish to emulate because all the teams in the UK especially are on some same level footing that is crazy. They're all going together in some style that if we can do that together the way they are doing it in Ghana, I think they will probably shoot up to a different level very, very soon. They all, they are, there are some players, I, I'm happy about the fact that for the Women's League in the UK, I'm happy about the fact that uh, last season, Chelsea bought uh, Samantha, uh, who is uh, the biggest Australian players, and she's now playing for uh, Chelsea. But... I also mainly pay attention to the women's U.S. Uh, soccer team. And obviously, mm-hmm. like they are the players that everybody knows a lot about. Uh, I think I like a lot of uh, the way Alex, Alex Morgan plays. I think I, I fully enjoy that. And a lot of my girls I, I keep telling them, listen, what we have to do is just keep watching what other people are doing because these are the people who have done it before us. There's no need for us to be out here making our own silly and little mistakes. Let's see what else other people are doing and let's see the best that we can, we can do for ourselves. There's this uh, club on Instagram, which I follow. I think it's called Tudelo. I keep forgetting the name, Tudelo FC. So they are in California. And they are a football club. I, I, I think that maybe there's other football clubs around. I think that do the same thing. But they are the ones that I have seen. And they are training their girls on a different level. Like they post these videos of how they are training the girls to dribble, to tackle, to do all sort of tricks on the pitch. And then they show the next part of the video is the part where they actually went out and during a game, they did those things. Oh, that's really and good. Out here, exactly. So out here, we have the girls training and trying to play, like rehearsing to play a match or training to play a match. And then we get out there, and it's a different story. They are doing different things than what you said. But then I watched that club and they are doing exactly what they are being trained to do. And I really wish that we could reach out to them, talk to them, see, like, I need to understand what they are doing. Because I, like I'm saying, I know that there's probably clubs out there that are doing it, but they are the only club I have seen who are doing it so perfectly that if I could probably steal their coach or whatever it is, I would do it. If I could lower them to Ghana, if I could lower the entire team to Ghana, I would do it. Yeah, they're not, not like a, a woman's football. I think they are girls. I think they are between the ages of like, probably like five to like 18 or whatever. Okay. Yeah, young. So like and I really, really, yeah. I'll try and find the page. I Every time I, I keep mixing their name with Tornado, I don't know why I keep doing that, but I think it's Tudelo FC or something. That's what I think. They're on Instagram. I'll try and find the page and then maybe we can post it sometime. But they are like the best team so far that I've seen that I wish that my club could emulate. Of course, I, I enjoy watching women's football and all the, the teams around. I think they're doing an amazing job. But in terms of what I've seen behind the scenes, if I could model my club after anybody, they are the ones that I'd like super. I'd probably change the club's name just to be like them. It's crazy. Yeah. No, perfect. Respect. And thank you so much for sharing. We're yeah. definitely interested in uh, if you can send us that, we'll definitely figure out a yeah. way to uh, share more about that. But with that being yeah. said, let's talk about some other things. L, what you got for us this week? 
Yeah, I did have one quick question, um, like about the development in the country. So what's the development infrastructure like? Um, Are there like a lot of academies around um, that are like taking some of the talented players and developing them and, you know, getting them sold off to European countries? Um, And is is there a push to kind of keep some of that talent, you know, in Ghana and like really build up the, the local leagues? Yeah. So that's one of the biggest problems that we have in Ghana. Uh, we don't have enough people training women to develop women's football in Ghana. So what we have is, we have, I don't want to call them opportunists, but that's what they are. We have people who set up an academy and then get girls from all over the country and then train them in hopes of trading them or selling them to like other countries or other like leagues or clubs. And you see a lot of those. Uh, um, technically, if you go to the GFA, there are about 90 registered football clubs in Ghana in the Premier League for the women, in the Premier League and Division One. roughly about 90. However, they are an awful lot because we have people who don't actually go to the company's house and register the entity. We have people who just wake up one day and, I want to start a football team. I'm doing Justify. Everybody, come on down. And then they have some money or something, and then they load the girls in, and they just pretend to be doing whatever it is that they want to do with the girls. And so you have a lot of stories. A lot of my players have come to my club going like, oh, I was with this club. We weren't even training. We weren't even doing anything. We are doing nothing. And that is the problem. So if at least we could get past that problem of people not actually helping when they are saying they help, if we could get that past that problem, I think that we could get to the actual solution, which is having academies or institutions that actually train the players. Now, in order not to be caught out by fakers or people pretending to help, everybody wants to play for like a, a registered Division One club or a Premier League club or the national team or something. So because of that, it, the competition is very high. So you can have like 5,000 girls trying to play for only about 90 clubs. And that's impossible because you can only have probably like 30, 40 players on the team. And it's crazy. So we need to find a way to properly develop women's football in Ghana. There are academies, but I don't see academies that are like doing something like, oh my God, apart from the clubs that are already doing their own training. I think that that's one serious problem. And because of that, we don't get girls going through the system, training hard enough to compete against the Nigerians and then the U.S. national team. If, if I'm a Ghanaian, and I hate to say this, but at any point in time, if the Black Queens should play against the U.S. women's national team, we will be happy to leave with a 10 nil loss. We will be. Because that's probably the less, the lowest amount that we, can, we will get. Because I don't think that we are organized enough and training the girls enough to compete on a higher level. And that's why it's been difficult for us to feature at some of the World Cups that have happened. I think uh, over the last 20 years, we've only been to like two or three World Cups or so, which is not good at all. We weren't even featured at the last World Cup. And, and it's something that it all depends, it starts from development. So I think that we aren't doing the best we can do in terms of developing the girls. But I'm hoping that uh, when the coronavirus is off, when things start to get better, we can try to put together plans to fix that. It's going to be a long and difficult journey, but we have to start. We have to start. Even if we can't compete within the next uh, five to 10 years, at least, I'm hoping that from maybe after five years, we should see some improvement in women's football in Ghana. But yeah. Okay. Are there any like youth teams out there or, you know, kind of small pitched um, five, five and five leagues and things like that? Yeah. Yeah. So my club, for example, we do that. So what, okay. I, what I'm trying to do is 
trying to emulate what's happening around the world. Like I keep saying, we're not the first people to play football in the world. So there's no point us being here trying to figure out what to do. So when I was going to school in the UK and I was playing for the club, I saw that besides my regular football club that I was playing for, the same club used to go and enter into five-a-side games and other little leagues and stuff like that. So I'm trying to do the same thing in, in Ghana. So what I did was my club, we have our training days and training times and we train. But I picked one day of the week where we like got this like really cool AstroTurf pitch. And then we said that anybody who wants to play football, anybody, girl, well, we started with girls, but eventually boys started to come. But like any girl who wants to play football, she just show up, get kitted, and let's just play like a five-a-side match. And it got so huge and so crazy that boys started joining. Boys wanted to play. And it got to a point where we are playing a, a girls five-a-side match and there's so many teams that some of the teams don't have like enough players on it. And we had to call in the guys like, please come and join because we can't keep leaving these girls on the bench and we can't keep playing in such a way that uh, people don't get enough time on the pitch. So it became something really huge. And my club is the only club that is doing that, unfortunately. Uh, and uh, I've had this rumor that was going around with the girls football that they don't want people to come and play for my club because we are, we might poach their players. And I'm like, it's not a competition. We are here to have fun. I have enough girls on my team and they can't even get in the first team. We're not going to poach your players. And it's been something that other club owners have told their players to be wary of, but we're not trying to poach anybody. We just want to have fun. I want to create an environment where people are happy to have fun. And that's what we're trying to do. But we don't really have per se little leagues or five sides stuff. They do that for the boys, but not for the girls. But I'm going to make it a big thing because it's not everybody who can play in the club who can play like 11 v 11 and those days where we play those we only play sometimes we we have to even move it to like uh, 11 and 9 v 9 or 7 v 7 because if we play the five aside some people will never get a turn to play so we're trying to see the various types that we can do but i mean we are doing this uh to ensure that a lot of girls get a lot of playing time and then people can like do something about their careers so yeah that's dope that's yeah. really dope yeah so as cleo has kind of pointed out as Cleo's pointed out, you know, team ownership isn't easy. Yeah. Um, and that's on every level. So even even over in the UK, you look at what's going on in the championship and um, League One, uh, there's a lot of ownership shenanigans um, happening. Um, yeah. So we're going to run down a couple of them. Uh, one of the big ones was Wigan Athletic um, yeah. being sold yeah. like ni- ni- 19 months ago. And then being sold again, like within a yeah. week, and then going into administration. So they were formerly the epitome of traditional football club ownership. Yeah. Um, they had a wealthy owner um, who loved football. Um, he sold yeah. the club to uh, a Hong Kong-based company called International Entertainment Corporation, yeah. which is registered in the Cayman yeah. Islands. That's yeah. yeah, I think that's me. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> yeah. This com- This com- this company's registered in the Cayman Islands. That's the first red yeah. flag, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> which, is, which is a tax haven and it runs casinos in Manila, Manila, Philippines. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the, the club the club announced a takeover on June 4th um, yeah. by Next Leader Fund, which is yeah. another Hong Kong, another Hong Kong based company that's also registered in the Caymans. Yeah. So so initially this Hong Kong businessman, Dr. Choi. Chu Fai Stanley. Um, yeah. Apologies for the pronunciation. Um, yeah. He's the chairman of IEC, and he owns yeah. more than fifty percent of both the seller, which is yeah. IEC, and the buyer, NLF, yeah. NLF, which is 
clearly a conflict of interest there, right? Yeah. Um, and then on June 24th, uh, Oh Young, um, yeah. initially, who was a minority owner, owner and shareholder of NLF, um, yeah. was stated to have become the owner of more than 75% of NLF, and is thought to be thought to now be the 100% owner. So yeah. he complete he compete he completed a, a, a full takeover of the club from IEC. Yeah. Um, so the facts are set out that in the middle of the coronavirus um, coronavirus crisis, um, while football was shut down and many clubs you know feared going out of business. Oh, Young decided to buy Wigan, um, yeah. a club which, which even in normal times, loses millions of dollars um, yeah. or millions of pounds. Um, so at, at first in partnership with Choi, but then he paid out the 17, 17.5 million pounds um, and he gave IEC more than, more than they paid for the club. So basically yeah. gave IEC, bought the, bought the club and yeah. you know, provided a profit for IEC. Um, and he also ensured that their 24 million pound debt um, or their loan was repaid. Um, yeah. But then on the day he took ownership of the club with a total purchase price of 41 million, he yeah. decided not to fund it, which put the, cl put the club in administration. Yeah. Um, and, you know, initially losing the 17.5 and probably the 24 million too. Yeah. So now Wigan is in administration purgatory. So we don't know. Sounds like some fishy stuff yeah. going on. I want to get you guys' reaction yeah. to this and kind yeah. of thoughts on what you think could be happening in this situation. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what, do you, what do you think, Cleo? You're the owner. You're the, well, the owner. <laughs> I think it's, well, owning a football club in the UK is like completely different from what's happening here in Ghana. I think that we have it easy. There are a lot of things happening in the background that you don't really see. And there are a lot of reasons why people do certain things that they do, which you probably won't hear about till something pops up. So I don't really understand what was happening with all of that. I can't really like fathom why that all of that happened. But uh, I don't even know what to say about this situation. But there have been I, what club was that? I think a few years ago, go so, go so for like one pound or something. It was Portsmouth or something like that. Yeah. A lot in the UK, yeah. and football is very difficult, especially when you drop from the Premier League. It's most of the clubs that are in that situation right now are clubs that have actually dropped from the Premier League. I guess, I guess it's the expectations that they put onto themselves. Because once you own a football club, you put down your expectations, right? Between the next five years, uh, from now to the next five years, we are going to be maybe like a, a mid-league table team or whatever. And then maybe like a European playing team or something. And you buy the players that you want to buy to get you there. You do the things that you have to do. You get the, the stadium that you have to get, uh, the stuff that you need to get. And the next thing you know, you've overextended yourself and then you're on the way down. And then when the club doesn't succeed in doing any of those targets, then you are out of the league as well. So it gets difficult and it puts these people in the situation where there's a lot of expectations coming, not just from within the club, but the fans as well. And in the UK, the fans have a huge say in what people do. I think you know the story about how uh, MK Dons came about because they were uh, MK Dons, I think, came out from Wimbledon or the other way around. I don't know which one was which. But there was a They're club, in first. Yeah. yeah, and then they split up and they went to Milton Keynes and then they created MK Dons. And it was the fans that did that. So in the UK, the fans don't play around with their football at all. I think that's on several occasions, Arsenal fans have tried to buy the club. I don't think that any of them is rich enough for that, but, <laughs> but they've tried to do it on several occasions. And that shows like the passion that people have for their football club. And I really don't understand what, what that Wigan thing was about. But I'm pretty sure that if they had good intentions, they had good intentions or unless something happened 
uh, for them to, to, to cut that out. But it will be a real mess to find yourself in a situation like that as a club owner. It's going to be like a real mess. Yeah. So, All right. Yeah. So, so to that point, you mentioned good intentions. Yeah. Word on the street is <laughs> that there, there is a bet. So, yeah. so keep, it, keep in mind, IEC runs casinos yeah. in Manila, right? Yeah. yeah. So there's a bet, there's a bet out that Wigan would be relegated. Yeah. And mm. o, o, o Young, the guy who purchased Wigan, has yeah. ties to this 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 gaming. Yeah. So we don't know we don't know if, if it's his bet or whose yeah. bet it was, but there's a bet yeah. that Wigan would be relegated. And since they went into the administration, they automatically were relegated. Yeah. So there, yeah. there's some other things that play here. You know, yeah. I saw the yeah. issue. <laughs> um so he so bought I, I, the bet, by the way. He made it on the back end. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Do you know how much the bet was? If there was a bet? <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't know. That that that's the rumor. That's what's, yeah. what's kind of being floated around. Um, yeah. And it, it, if that's the case, that's horrible. Like, cause ima- yeah. imagine those yeah. fans. Like, you know, they they yeah. bleed for their club, and yeah. there's people rich 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 people playing around with it. Just exactly. Bets, yeah, it happens you know? when you're so filthy rich. You just bet entire clubs and leagues. So I wouldn't put it past them to do something like that. People are finding all sorts of ways to make money. So for one of those that's what's good about, you know, uh, ownership groups in the States and like, yeah. having, like, like kind of league protocol because yeah. you, they don't just let anybody become an owner. You have to like yeah. meet yeah. a certain criteria. And like once yeah. they saw like, all right, you own a casino that takes sports bets. Exactly. Like, nah, that's, that's too fishy. Like we're not yeah. even talking about the Cayman connection. Yeah, we're talking about like the ownership within two club, like two organizations, and you know, yeah, outside. Yeah, so like simple things like that, they wouldn't even like they wouldn't even respond to the email yeah. or pitch if it if that yeah. happened in the states. I think that for the UK, they are so engrossed in football that anybody who bring money, they most of the time <laughs> be like, "All right, okay, you're come to save us. I don't care where you're coming from, what you're doing, just do something." Because uh, it, it's crazy what's happened with uh, Roman Abramovich, because. This guy owns one of the biggest clubs in the UK. I'm going to go ahead and say the biggest club in the UK because I can't. Because nobody's yeah. going to stop me from doing that. Uh, <laughs> and yeah. for the last honest, Chelsea, has been, is, Chelsea has been the best UK club in the 21st century. Exactly, in the 21st century. And it's a fact. Yeah. And, and, and he hasn't been allowed in the UK for like close to two years now. Yet they are still taking his money. They're like, we don't want you, but can you keep owning Chelsea and pumping money into the system? And that's what it is. It kind of sounds like they're just in it for the money. Look at what happened with Man City and what's about to happen with Newcastle. No, we'll discuss that. But it, it kind of feels to me like they are just in it for the money. They've reached the stage where they are past this thing being about talent or passion or whatever it is. It's like, how can we make this the most expensive and rich league in the world? And that's what it looks like now. So anybody, who knows who else was even in on that bet that we haven't even heard about if there was a bet. <laughs> but yeah, it probably sounds like a coordinated criminal enterprise. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I think that that's what I think happened. Like it was a coordinated yeah. <laughs> kind of finessing there. Um, yeah. So yeah. you mentioned Newcastle, right? So there's a Saudi-led investment group interested in buying Newcastle, and they recently re- withdrew their bid due to um, yeah. COVID, um, among other things. And like a kind of, they were already kind of in, kind of at a stalemate with the FA to, to kind of get the deal over the over the over the line, um, yeah. because in a plot twist, um, that same group or members from that group. Um, were allegedly bootlegging Premier League games in the Middle East. So like bootlegging streams and yeah. kind of Ill- Ill- yeah. illegally, you know, showing 
showing you know Premier League games, and now yeah, they're, they're looking to buy in. Retail business to a legit business, allow, okay? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but um, I think because it took so long, and then COVID happening, that deal fell apart. So yeah, horrible for Newcastle. They they definitely you know needed those funds. Um, yeah. they've been trying to get Mike Mike Ashley out for years. Um, and they're almost over the line, but still yeah. fell apart. They're they're about to have that Saudi money. They're about yeah. to yeah. They're about to run the ticket up, you know. I know so. right? <laughs> and then no, they have. Sadly, it's not. Sadly, it's not happening. Yeah. So yeah, I was watching a Premier League game from the 2006 season, I think, uh, yesterday, and I saw Mike Ashley in the stands, and and I think Newcastle had just scored like this last minute goal to survive relegation, and he was so happy, like. The look on his face, I mean, I, I just want to say that if you knew what was coming down the line, you'd be happier than this or probably like would have left the stadium by now. But he, like the happiness and the joy that you could see on his face for owning a club that had like dodged relegation, it was so good to now see the time where they want him out. It's like football is like crazy, man. It's it's difficult to like own clubs these days anyway. You see the, the, the Glacier family, family and then the owners of Arsenal as well. Every day there's talk of them selling the club. Every day it's like it's crazy to like own a football club in Ghana. I I, I mean in the in the UK. I think that probably the only people who have not had any stick in the category of rich people is probably like City. I don't think that we've had a peep from any City fan about getting rid of their owners. And I don't know if maybe that's the model that we should all be going by or something. But I don't know what you guys think about that. <laughs> well, I mean, City invests, right? They yeah, they yeah. do anything to invest yeah. in yeah. their club. Yeah. It helps, you know, short, yeah. shorter, yeah. shorter being banned from Champions League. They'll do anything. Exactly. To the best. Oh. <laughs> so as long, yeah. as long as they're pumping money into the club, I think the fans yeah. would be happy. As long as they could buy yeah. top players, the fans would be yeah. happy. And a lot of the yeah. issues with, you know, with the Glazers and with, you know, the Cronkies is they're not yeah. putting any money into the club or yeah. they're mismanaging the funds or, you know, they're using the funds for other things. Like Cronky, yeah, exactly. for example, owns like five other teams. Yeah. So. And he's a real estate guy. So exactly. real estate like, is his main business, not sports. Yeah. You know? So ownership of the Emirates and then Arsenal's the yeah. product that generates yeah. income for the Emirates. You know, yeah. that's his model. Like, I don't, I don't think a lot of people like realize that, you know, yeah. he just built a new stadium in, in Los Angeles. Yeah. That the product is the Los Angeles Rams. That's going to yeah. generate the income for this real estate property that he has. Yeah. You know, yeah. so. So yeah. we can't expect really anything from Cronky, you know. Yeah, me as an Arsenal fan, I, 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 on a tangent with yeah. <laughs> as a long-suffering Arsenal fan, you know. So, yeah, yeah, so. yeah. But I think the so probably, probably City is probably like the happiest, like fans, like the fans are like the happiest in terms of ownership. Because I, I, the last time I had a peep from City fans about ownership was when their club was purchased, like what, fifteen years ago or something. I don't think I've had anything again. So yeah, I guess they're happy. So good, good for them. <laughs> Yeah. 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 So speaking of investment, we were just talking about, you know, some some American investors. Yeah. American investors are starting to take their they're starting to wander their eye away from from the UK into Italy yeah. now. So yeah. So they have a plan. So we say Wall Street. When we say Wall Street, we mean like investment firms yeah. Um, yeah. has a plan to remove racism from Italian soccer. So yeah. these investors say tackling the overt racism in the stands would help make Serie A as valuable as the English Premier League. Yep. So they're, they're beginning to see a lot of American investment firms putting money into Serie A teams. Um, you got Fiorentina, Roma. Um, what's another one that just recently? Uh, AC Milan yeah. just took some uh, American uh, ownership dollars. Yeah. Um, Even Serie so, A as a whole league. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. Trying to get the whole 
uh, TV rights. Yeah. Yeah. So potential. So potential investors have had value theory out as much as 13 billion euros, which is about yeah. 15.4 billion U.S. dollars. Um, yeah. This is a report by Bloomberg, um, Avid International, Bain Capital, Sinvin Limited, CBC yeah. Capital Partners. Um, I think Redbird, um, among others, have expressed yeah. interest in buying minority stake holding in the league itself. So I didn't yeah. even know you could do this, but yeah. they wanted to buy a minority stake in the league itself. Um, so one important ingredient to this is turning around Siri I, which will be drawing higher to turning around Siri I is drawing higher offers um, for tele television rights. So England's yeah. top league makes about 3.5 billion euros from broadcasting. Um, and that was in 2018, 19 yeah. Yeah. compared to around 1.5 billion um, in Italy. So according yeah. to Deloitte, um, you know, monkey chants in the crowd aren't good for business, you know? Yeah. So eliminating, so Syria has a commercial potential um, as an international brand, but yeah. it's tainted by the racism um, that's, you know, ingrained in the supporter culture uh, yeah. in their league. Um, so overseas streaming, so let me see, digital. Yeah. <clears throat> so yeah, yeah. So um, a guy named Yannick Rem Remke stated, yeah. you know, that that the racism in the country is tainting, um, tainting the league. Um, and is tainting the overseas streaming streaming business that they have, mm -hmm. so it's making it harder for them for people to kind of pick up pick up the league and um, bring mm -hmm. in that that streaming revenue. So, what do you guys yeah. thoughts on you know Syria and their their racism issues, and where do you think do you think they have the potential to be as big as the Premier League? Well, to be honest with you, <clears throat> I think it will take them a while. First of all, you have a league that is dominated by one club <laughs> for like the last decade or so. And secondly, compared to the UK, they're not even close to the UK because I think that Spain is the closest to the UK and they even have like a 15 billion or million dollar gap between them and the UK. So it's going to be very difficult. And also, obviously, the racism does not help. It's like an open secret. It's like, they, it's, like it's part of their football. It's like, here's a, here's a beer, here's some chips and fries and here's some racism to go with it. It's like they have to be racist. And we've had Ghanaian players play, uh, like Suleiman Terry, play in, the, in, in their league. And they've come off the pitch crying several times. And it's crazy. And this, this is just something that it's, it boggles my mind. Like, why are we doing this in the 21st century? You've been warned, you've been fined, and still it's like nothing. And with that attitude, I don't think that they'll be getting close to getting the earnings that's happening in the UK especially. If they don't cut out this whole racism stuff, I don't think they're going to go anywhere. They're just going to keep dominating themselves in their little corner, uh, doing whatever it is that they have to do. But I mean, on this topic, on American investors coming to, to Italy, uh, diverting their attention from the UK, one thing that I wanted to also point out about that was the whole Brexit issue. Because I've forgotten the argument that came along with this, but I think that there are some rules uh, that was making it easy to transfer players from Europe to the UK. And with them exiting the EU, it makes it difficult. If you have, if you own clubs or if you invest in the UK, it makes it difficult for you to reap your benefits from the uh, European countries. I think what it was, was the UK doesn't allow certain types of players. You should have played in your national team. You should have done some, you should have ticked some boxes, which what the clubs were doing was that they buy you the player, they take the player to the European leagues, they use the 
players being moved around the European list to take certain boxes and they transfer them easily to the UK. But now with UK exiting the uh, EU, it's difficult to do that now. So then there's no point uh, building up your team or, or building up stars to transfer them to the UK anymore. It's not going to happen. So what I've heard is that some of the clubs are actually, like you said, buying clubs around Europe, placing themselves in such a way that they can be trading the players themselves, uh, doing whatever it is that they were doing in the UK, but for Europe. So in as much as I think that what they are doing, the American investors are doing is great, trying to stamp out racism in, in Italy. I think that obviously, sometimes when people do something, there's always an ulterior motive. And that's one of the things that they are doing. Italy is the next, I guess, could be the next best thing to happen in, in, in terms of football. So yeah, they should keep, they keep, keep doing whatever it is that they're doing. And, but the first thing that they have to do is definitely kick out racism because nobody wants to play in a situation that like, like that. Nobody wants to do that. And it's, it's very terrible to have seen a whole Mario Balotelli, a whole Mario crying because of racism. It's, it's, it's crazy. We need to stop that. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, they, they talk about, you know, combating racism. Do they have any plans yeah. for it? Do they have, like, an action plan or a solution guideline on what they, like, want to do in the sense yeah. of, like, stopping fans? Or is it just, like, this is one way for their product to get more viewership? Um, I think it was the, the latter, one way for their product to get more viewership. I didn't see any yeah. solutions in the article. Um, yeah. What are some solutions that you guys would have to kind of eliminate Eliminate racism in, in Ban the Italian game. Ban them from Europe. It's going to hit them so hard. I don't think it will stop them because the, the racism is so inbuilt that they don't care. They'll be like, okay, fine. Now that there are no eyes on us from Europe, I guess we can do it louder than that. Or maybe give the whole uh, playing football in an empty stadium thing. I don't know. But it has to be drastic. It cannot be babying them anymore because a lot has been done. Even their own anti-racism posters include monkeys so like what are you guys trying to do it's like it's like they just don't understand or they can't hear it so yeah. I, I think that the fans is the fans and the clubs too as well i don't understand because if you keep getting fined if you keep getting warned if you are the ones getting affected by the behavior of your fans why aren't you doing anything about it and it's because low-key you probably support it or you encourage it or, or you like it because i don't see if a, a situation like this happens in in the uk Chelsea Football Club. Everybody in that section where the racism comes from gets banned from coming to the stadium. Like, they don't even play around with that. It can come. I'm not saying that it won't happen in the UK. It will happen. But the drastic actions they take, you, it weeds them out. So it, we've had situations where Chelsea fans have gone to, like, watch a European match or an away game, and they were misbehaving on the train or in and out of the stadium, and they've been banned. And it's, it, this, these are the actions that you have to take. And in Europe... I mean, in Italy, they ban them, they find them, they shout at them, nothing is happening. So we have to take drastic measures against them. Sorry, Italy. I love you, Ronaldo. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah Ronaldo's say, trying, to, trying to make his way out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's tough for the ownership. Like, if you're looking at the American ownership, looking to invest in these teams, they're not going to come in and be like, yeah, we'll take point deductions or we'll take yeah. not playing in Champions League because that's where they're going to make their money. So it has to come from the uh, federation, you know, it has to come from the federation. And then from there, the team can act out like, all right, we'll ban this uh, set of fans or we'll have yeah. empty stadiums or, you know, we're willing to, you know, accommodate. Uh, I don't want to say accommodate, but uh, make yeah. amends to, you know, some situations that have gone on. 
Um, but from like a money standpoint, they're not going to come in and be like, yeah, we're definitely going to. Yeah. Our stadiums are empty and we're not going to participate in Champions League if our fans are doing this. Even though yeah. that might not, that might be something that needs to be had. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the plan is because these com- these these investment firms that I mentioned are uh, private equity firms, and their yeah. their prime job is to buy low, so you know, yeah. re- revamp the business and then sell high, right? Yeah. And so they're looking at, like you mentioned, you know, Spain may be ahead of Italy um, in terms of leagues and popularity. Yeah. You're looking at Italy as you know an undervalued asset. Like, all right, yeah. we have the potential here to to get in low. You know, we could build it up. We can get the get the right TV contracts. You yeah. know, inflate inflate the league, and then sell it higher. Yeah. Do whatever they want to do with it. Um, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what their plan is and how they kind of yeah. can stamp out this culture that they have. Yeah. Um, that's kind of plaguing the league right now. Yeah. 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 I can't wait to see what happens with with that. Can't wait to see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So now it's time for one of our favorite. <laughs> Parts of yeah. the show. No card, yellow card, red card. Um, so yeah. for those not familiar, this is a, a kind of a rapid fire segment of the show where um, I'll read off a couple of uh, topics and we'll get our guests, um, Amobi and uh, Cleo here to kind of give give their card, give their give their card rating on the topic. So no card is I agree, I'm cool with it. Um, yellow card is uh, obviously it's a foul. Like I may not agree, but I don't totally disagree um, or I'll allow it. Um, and red card is I totally disagree. I'm not cool with it or I don't like that idea. Um, so we'll, we'll jump, we'll go ahead and jump right in. Um, no yeah. card, yellow card, red card. Okay. Maurizio Sarri is replaced by Andrea Pirlo as manager of Juventus after winning Serie A but getting knocked out of Champions League. Now, note, Pirlo has zero professional coaching experience. Yeah. I'll give it the red card. <laughs> you get a red card, huh? Yeah, it's it's a fun thing. It's like the ideal world to give the club to one of the best players that ever played for the club. It's fun and everything, but is that the right decision? I don't think now is the time for that. He just got handed the award on the twenty threes, and then two days later, why don't you take the big prize? It's like hoping the players manage themselves or whatever. I don't know what he's done on the side. Uh, I don't. I guess they have a reason to trust him for that. I really wanted to give it a yellow. It would have probably gotten a yellow if he had been managing even the other 23s for like even half a season. But he just retired. He just got into football. He hasn't really done much in terms of managing. And the next thing you know, you're handing him an entire Juventus over a professional coach who just won his first trophy, who probably had a lot to achieve and, and live for. It's... Is a no-no, yeah. Yeah, I give it a yellow card. Um, winning Serie A as Juventus—that's that's not what they're going for. They're going for Champions League. That's why yeah. they made all these build all those big signings. They they have Serie A on lock for now. Obviously, it's going to change over the next couple of years. Inter's coming, Roma's coming, Napoli's. Atalanta is coming. Yeah, Atalanta, yeah. Like, but they're they're trying to get Champions League. They've been trying to get Champions League for like the last three to four years, um, like yeah. really heavy. And I don't think Kirlo does that for them because one, he's a new coach. Yeah. Uh, two, I mean, he has no no experience and and yeah, I just yellow card for me. Yeah. Yeah, Sounds honestly, like I think it reeks. <laughs> yeah, I think it. I think it reeks of privilege. 
Um, yeah. You know, I bet you there weren't any black coaches, you know, interviewed for that job. Like they just slid yeah. the guy in the the club legend with no, you know, no no experience, and he gets first team football. Yeah. You know, off, off the jump. Yeah. Hopefully they maybe they're hoping like it'll be a, a Zidane situation where he can like take them, take them was, Champions League talking, glory. Nah, because I was talking with some buddies of mine and it was like everyone was like, well, Zidane did it. I was like, no, Zidane was an assistant coach for Mourinho for Anc- uh, Ancelotti, yeah. like yeah. two of the top, I'll say top ten all time coaches, and he was coaching the U23s for more than two weeks. Um, so like Zidane has experience as a coach. So yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah. So, nah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll see. Which will be interesting. I won't have him lasted more than two years. Yeah. I hope it works out. For his career, it's not a bad. It's not a bad to start your career to have someone like Ronaldo on your team. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll we'll get we'll touch we'll get we'll get to that. All yeah. right. So, no card, yellow card, red card. Chelsea potentially buying Declan Rice for sixty-five million. So you two as Chelsea fans, yeah. What do you think about this? Yeah, I could, I, I probably give it a no card because Chelsea have been after that boy for a while, and I think he also wants to come to Chelsea. I just we're just waiting for like the right circumstances, and for the amount that they are paying for him, obviously there have been other people who we can probably get for the same or, or less. Uh, but I mean, it all depends on what's happening in the transfer window, seeing who's available, etc. But I mean, we need that help. We need that defensive help. We need that kind of midfieldish help over there. Whatever is happening in the back end of Chelsea is like, I don't even want to think about it. But we do need the help. At this point in time, I, I'll take anybody who comes at this point in time because it's just ridiculous. We consider the most goals. Was it the most goals last season? Like the worst defensive back that. <laughs> I'm gonna pass it over because I think I'll stop now before I start to cry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll say no card. I mean, actually, yeah. yellow card because I think we could use those funds somewhere else. We definitely need more defensive help. Uh, we definitely need another goalkeeper. Um, but having a young international, a young English international, is important. You know, uh, he, he's he's good, especially whether what happens with Conte. You know, he's getting injured a lot more often recently. Yeah. And there's rumors that he might go to Real Madrid. Uh, Jorginho, he can go like, well, it's going to be tough now since uh, Sachi's not at Juventus, who, who really likes him. Um, yeah, I'll give it the yellow card. Yeah. We could use the fun somewhere else. Okay. Uh, no card, yellow card, red card. Juventus offers Gonzalo Higuain and Douglas Costa or Christian Romero for Alexander Lacazette. In a swap deal, straight swap deal. Well, it's Arsenal, so I'll give it a no card because anything at Arsenal is better than whatever has happened at Arsenal. They've been trying to win the league for like decades now, <laughs> and they've tried everything that they can try. And Higuain is actually very good. He just didn't get a chance, a proper chance at Chelsea. He's good, and like I said, too, is good, but. My boy Nketiah is on the scene, so it's gonna be difficult for Lacazette because Nketiah put him out of the the first the starting lineup for a while, and it's not about to change because he's just getting better. So if Lacazette wants to leave or there's a deal on the table for him to go to Juventus, I think he should take it. So I'll give it like a no card. Yeah, it's guaranteed winning the league against Arsenal's attempt 
at trying to beat Chelsea once in a while to win a cup. So he should take it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, depending on what side you're looking at it from, I would say from Arsenal's standpoint, um, yeah, you, you get rid of him, no card. But from Juventus' standpoint, I, I don't think you need uh, a <laughs> Like, Douglas Costa's a, a good piece. I know they, they've been playing him less and less. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's, if, 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 if both parties are happy with it, yeah, no card for me. I want to give it a yellow card, but it's no card. All right, well, as a resident Arsenal fan here, I'm going to give it a red. Um, <laughs> I'm going to tell you why. Okay. A, we're trying to go younger, not older. So yeah. Gonzalo Higuain is out. He's kind of, he's at the end of his con. He's at the end of his you know his career, yeah, like which is why I feel a, this is why I kind of feel a way about the Willian thing too. But you know we, we won't we won't we won't cover that. Douglas Costa's uh, injury prone, and I don't even know who Christian Romero is to be honest. Um, but Lock, but we know Lacazette plays for the Shield. He he'll work his ass off. We we know what he brings to the team. You know he he went through a little a scoring slump, but his work rate is more than makes up for it. You know, his work rate in the midfield, him coming in as a false nine and, you know, handling business in the midfield, I feel is is more important. And I, I would rather us continue to build around the young players. So Eddie, um, Saka, you know, Reese Nelson, um, build around them, continue to build them up then rather than bring in these, you know, these higher price players who are probably on higher wages, um, which is already an issue for us rather than bring them in on a swap deal. So yeah. I'm going to go red card with that. It's not worth yeah, it. The only comment I have about what you just said is what you said about William. Okay? Mm-hmm. The last time I was this head was when Hazard left. That wasn't long ago, so I, I guess that's not really much to compare it to. But William is a very good player, and that has only come to the spotlight since Hazard left. He has carried the team like throughout the, the season. And he he didn't really like save us all the time. But he did enough to earn the respect from me and I'm very unhappy to see him go. But unfortunately for him, next season, he wouldn't have gotten a look in because yeah. with the players that we are getting thanks to you guys and what's happening in the players that will be coming in, he might not get even on like the team sheet for the day. So I'm happy that he did what he can do for us last season. I'm sad to see him go. But he's going to be a really good player for you guys because with... Uh, David Luiz pinging in those crosses for him. If he gets his foot on the ball, he's just zooming straight. If it's at a Chelsea defense, we're going to save the ball. But maybe if it's like a United defense, maybe he might just get a goal because, you know, it happens all the time. But I'm hoping he doesn't get any goals against Chelsea. I would cry my heart out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. from the outside looking in, um, you know, looking at watching William William play for Chelsea, like you know, yeah. I never hated the guy. Like I, you know, I was always an admirer of his game. Um, yeah. But my thing is just like I'm tired of us taking our scraps, huh? Into <laughs> their career, Chelsea fan or into in the career of Chelsea players over here. You know, like we're trying to get younger, trying to build yeah. a, a youth movement. So I think he would be good depth. I don't I don't know if he starts. Um, Primarily, I think Pepe Pepe still starts primarily, but he's a good option off the bench. Um, good depth, good experience um, on the bench. 
Um, so if it happens, like I'm cool with it, but yeah, yeah, it's, cool. and, and it's on a and it's on a free, so we didn't spend any money, so I'm cool with that. Yeah. Uh, all right. So last one. Um, yeah. No card, yellow card, red card. Juventus supposedly offers up Cristiano Ronaldo to Barcelona. Red card. That's absolutely disrespectful. Yeah. <laughs> I give it a red too. But you never know. There's been a lot of line crossing right. these days. <laughs> All right. So what, what angle is disrespectful to you? Yeah, I mean, if you're going to let this like get out to the press, don't let it get out like this. Like we're offering up. Even if they're like, if they're saying they're trying to like save wages and like, you know, deal with that. Um, but nah, Cristiano, like all he's done for you in terms of, yeah, he didn't bring Champions League, but in terms of like, from a business standpoint, um, single-handedly carrying the team Champions League with all his goals and like the status of him as a player, like, nah, you can't just, well, we're offering yeah. him up like he's like scraps or something, you know? Yeah. Looks like they're trying and, to clean house. Yeah, and, yeah. Maybe, maybe Pirlo can handle, you know, you know, with someone like Ronaldo. I can already yeah. see that. Like trying to coach Ronaldo, nah. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. And then talking to Barcelona at that too, like what? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. In terms of going to play for Barcelona, it's like after everything you did for Madrid. I mean, like, like I was saying, there's a lot of line crosses and stuff, but I don't know how that's gonna play out in Spain. But never know. It's happening all the time these days. If anything, it would be great for Messi to go to Juventus. Let's see what happens there. Uh, Messi will not yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. How was cool. You? That's oh me. Um uh I give it a red card from a perspective that they're disrespecting Cristiano's gangster. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like he's arguably one of the greatest players, and you just oh whoop. Offer him up on a swap deal or something like that. Like, you know, that's yeah. like Jordan and that's like Jordan with the Wizards or something like that. Yeah. Um, but from a Barcelona perspective, if this is true, I would say no car. Like, hey, I'll take him. You know, yeah, him, 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 him and Messi on the same squad. Like, yeah. damn, yeah, that'd be cheap. I, that. I don't think Ronaldo would do that though. Ronaldo, like, Ronaldo want to be the top dog. He's not going yeah. to Barcelona. It's, it probably would be good for Barcelona anyway because if they're both. Fighting to score goals, trying to be the best on the same team, probably might not end well. Who knows? I, 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 I don't know much about Messi, but I feel like he's probably a little less selfish. So yeah. he he would probably play the D Wade role when uh when LeBron came to Miami, kind of like take a step nah, back, right. facilitator. You could be the facilitator, but like now, nah, like, like that's still his team. Like it's, I'm, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm top dog. Like, yeah, I don't I think mean, he's getting by Cristiano. Yeah, <laughs> he's getting ready to roll out anyway, though. You know, he got probably got a couple more years left. Messi, I think I didn't, he, did, didn't he opt out of his contract? Or no, he just didn't. Does he have like a year left? Yeah, he didn't oh, okay. renew yet. So people are speculating that he might join Pep at Man City, but nah, Messi, the way he plays, he can play until he's done. Like he's only 32, 33. He can play a solid five more years mm -hmm. and they'll just like put them in different positions play them as like an inverted winger as a 10 false nine like yeah yeah no nah. yeah yeah and if he if he ever gets old he could go to syria you know where the like they like age like, <laughs> age like five one or even yeah uh, yeah it's, it's interesting 
It's gonna be interesting though. Nah, he'll he'll go back to Argentina. That's true. When yeah. you're ready to wrap it up. Yeah, man. Well, cool. That's that's it for no car, yellow car, red car. Yeah. Moby, you want to go ahead and take it out? Yeah. So once again, thank you so much, uh, Cleopatra, for joining us today. Yeah. Um, if, for the people that want to get connected with you or want to support, where can they find you? Where where can they reach out? Uh, so you can find me on all social medias: Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, you can search my name, Cleopatra Incien Inquietia, or you can search my handle. My Twitter handle is the same thing as my uh, Instagram handle, which is Rajwa, R-A-D-J-O-A. So that's for me. And if you're looking for my club, my club is Ridge City FC Women. So we're on all social media. Every, if you type in Ridge City FC Women or our, our handle Ridge City FC, uh, you can connect with us. We also have a website, RidgeCityFC.com. Everything is just rich city. We're not making attempts to make any changes there, making it easy for everyone to find us. So just Google it and just find us and catch up with us. And anybody interested in helping women's football, anything that you're, you're trying to do, it doesn't even have to be financially. If you just want to support, if you want to help the girls with reading material, uh, videos, helping them with their careers, connecting them with agents, clubs, whatever it is they're interested in doing for women's football in Ghana, it will be well appreciated because we are not getting as much support as we, we hoped we would. So if anybody wants to help in any way whatsoever, even if you want to come down to Ghana and have a training session with the girls for like a week, a month, forever, we'll be happy for that. So uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing what happens uh, with future collaborations with everybody. And thank you guys for having me here today. Uh, hopefully you. soon, uh, very soon. Yeah, so uh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we definitely gonna have something in store soon two cents fc world tour uh definitely like something yeah. we got it. yeah yeah we got to take it worldwide we got to yeah. take it worldwide excellent but with that being said um that's our show for this week thanks again for coming on make sure you guys support um subscribe rate and review it helps us get discovered follow us on the socials at two cents fc check us out on the merch at two cents sports.shop it helps support the show i just got the text message, the pictures of the scars that we got. Oh, my goodness. I can't wait for y'all to see that. Tweet us your comments on the show. Any topics you want me or L to discuss on the show, we got you every Friday, live and direct. That's a wrap. Once again. All right. Peace. Peace.